Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the home for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code worth 10% off your next order at fansets.com. Fansets, our pins have character. Mentions of ion storms and augments this week may have had you hearkening back to mirror universes and maybe enterprise. But one thing is for sure, you were probably reminded of life in this country over the last two years with pandemics. So pull up a heat lamp and get happy with us. I'm Mike Bovey, and this is Discovering Trek Strange New Worlds. Hit it. Thanks for joining us on Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. Uh, this week, shall we say there was more light shed on a couple of characters as we learned the backstory of Una and Mimbenga? Yeah, I'll be here all week. Uh, we also get to see a little bit of Chapel uh, thinking on her feet, helping Una come up with the cure. And I'm sure there's many out there that wish she had worked for the CDC over the past few years. Well, as always, we have a guest host this week, and uh, he's no stranger to discovering Trek. He's been hanging out in the Picard section for the last 10 weeks. And some reason he wanted to come back and have to deal with me again from deep space pride. We have Mike Thurlow and Mike, I, I don't know what brought you to wanting to not only do this, but do this late. I mean, man, you're a glutton for punishment, I guess. I mean, I, you know, we record deep space pride at night a lot of the time. So oh, this okay. isn't any, uh, any exception, but I'll tell you why I did sign up. Uh, to do this is because Jamie is not here to thwart <laughs> and take away all of my ideas. So that's oh. why I'm here this week. Jamie, I know you'll be listening. So, you know, that uh, <laughs> if 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 Mike could have given an up yours to you, that was it right there. <laughs> and our recurring co-hosts with me, uh, we first have the man whose marvelous voice made me think that I should hang it up as a podcaster after working with him last week. Uh, we got Matthew and uh, Hey, I, I can't say nothing. Cause I mean, even I, I'll tell you what, uh, give some props to Jamie. Jamie sent me a text. He goes, wow. Like Matthew brings it with that voice. Doesn't I? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm toast now. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I am humbled and honored. In the end, we have a diversity of voices that do podcasts, infinite diversity and infinite combination. If I like, we have all different flavors and that's what makes the podcast so great. Yeah. I was once on a radio station and they told me I had a voice for radio. And I think that was just a nice way of saying I had a face for radio. So, and then our all our second recurring co-host she always brings her knowledge and her love for these strange new worlds characters and uh i'm never gonna make fun of her i think in introductions so welcome yvette how are you 
Oh, I'm fine. Thank you. I appreciate that. I would always make fun of Jamie. And <laughs> toward the end, I gave it a little bit to Mike, but not too hard. Uh, but yeah, Jamie always, Jamie always caught it in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Well, why don't you let all the good folks out there know where they can see the show on social media? Okay. If you like to follow the show on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Discovering Trek or on Facebook. You can join the conversation on Camp Kittimer. Answer a few simple questions and our admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark will let you in. A reminder that this episode of Discovering Trek provides spoilers for the Strange New Worlds episode, Ghosts of Illyria. If you have not watched yet, head over to the Paramount Plus and watch the episode and head back. Fair to do so leaves you open to spoilers. I'm nervous now because I know people are listening more intently to my voice about the synopsis. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Here we go. Episode 103 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds Ghosts of Illyria aired May 19th, 2022. It was written by Kayla Cooper and Bill Wolkoff and is directed by Leslie Hope. The Enterprise encounters a contagion that ravages the ship. One by one, the entire crew is incapacitated, except for number one, Una Chin Riley, who must now confront a secret she's been hiding as she races to find a cure. All right. Well, we always start off with our guest. So, Mike, for Ghosts of Illyria, thumbs up or thumbs down? And why do you feel that way? Well, I I give this episode two thumbs up. I uh, have watched it three or four times now, and uh, I love it. Uh, And in fact, I get more and more out of this episode every time I watch it. Uh, And also, I've been uh, humming the strange new world's theme or hearing it wherever i go um i just it's, I, it's the best theme i think uh you know outside of uh, prodigy um so you know kudos to jeff russo for the theme but also the music in this episode is phenomenal so nami uh really brings it as well um but yeah i, I um i don't know if any of you read this is a few years ago. I think it was at the 50th anniversary. They put out a, a trilogy of books called Legacies. Um, yes. And the first book was all about Una. Um, mm-hmm. Captain and the so Captain. Ever s- mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, Captain Captain. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we learned a lot of information about her then, which I don't remember all of it, but I just remember how robust it was uh, hearing about her. And... Uh, and now we have an episode that's almost entirely about her uh, and her background, and uh, it's it's phenomenal. I think it's great to um, great to learn so much about Number One that we never knew, and uh, I love that she has a full name. You know, Una Chin Riley. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to get some more information about her parents because chin and riley seems you know there's a a mixed parentage there it would seem i'm wondering if Uh, she's related to kevin riley you know don't (laughs) what what, what's that song that he was singing in naked now a naked time rather don't 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 bring me home kathleen or something (laughs) oh yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) um 
Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I just want to know more about her. I, I think she was great. Uh, Rebecca Romaine uh, brings it in this episode. You know, the only thing I really didn't like is I didn't like her uniform. I like her in the other uniform that she likes to wear, the kind of the zip up um, thing. Yeah, it just, uh, I think she, you know, but uh, other than that, I loved this episode. I thought we learned a, a lot about, well, we did learn a lot about her, we learned a lot about Mambanga. And, uh, you know, also uh, uh, some more background on Lon. So um, Lon and Hemmer continue to be the two characters that I'm still kind of on the fence about. But I will say that uh, this is an enterprise that I would say is unlike any other, where it's just a, a crew of a, a very diverse crew. Like, I, I wrote down a, a crew of... Uh, a bunch of weirdos and misfits, but not, you know, not in such a negative, not in a con, not in a negative context, but it's just a, a really uh, diverse crew and I love it. Um, and, and, you know, you don't vibe with everyone, but, um, you know, I, I, I do think that uh, it's a strong, really strong cast. So, uh, but this episode, great, a lot, a great message. If you uh, kind of read into it a little bit more, which really harkens back to the original series and kind of the stories that they were telling with uh, the messages that they were um, trying to uh, portray to that, their audience back in the 60s. So, yeah, this is a great episode. Nice. If I remember correctly, in that book series that you were talking about, I believe that's the first time that her name being Una is mentioned. And she was obvious yes. she was named yeah. after Una McCormick. Um, but yeah, because she was a captain in the book and it would be kind of hard to just call her captain number one. I so no, I think it was in um the autobiography of Spock. Oh, was it? Yeah, because didn't uh, Una McCormick write that one? Yes, she did write that did, one. Yeah. yeah, so I, I it was that one then. Okay. Yeah. I just thought that that's where her, her name came from. Number one. <laughs> uh, oh, no. At first, I was like, "Is that actually her name, or is that like a nickname?" Yeah. Like, oh, well, there's a there is a story in number one, and Una kind of it kind of goes together. It, it's a long story. Yeah, so, it like, is. If we'll, you listen, we'll have to you, talk about it another time. Yes, another time, right? <laughs> but it just makes the nickname fit so much yeah. better. I was like, "Oh, that's clever." You're, it, it's, you're, it's there for a reason. Yeah. yeah, you're you're on with us every week, Matthew. So we can we can cover it at some point. <laughs> All right, we'll do it. I'll have to. Clearly, I haven't done my homework. Uh, well, this is what thirty years worth of novels of it. That, yeah, that yeah. she's yeah. been covered in. Yeah. So 30, yeah, yeah. I guess it has been thirty or yeah. twenty something. So it's astonishing when you think about it that a show can even bring back characters from a failed pilot not failed but uh-huh. kind of you know what i mean and then reintegrated to like a whole history it's i was trying to think of where else that would be because i was explaining to a friend of mine what strange new world is and how it like where it comes from and and talking about cage and i was trying to think of any other example where something like that has even happened and i can't i couldn't think of any you know the closest thing i can think of and it's not even television based would be what they're doing with marvel now how they're going back mm. and pulling some obscure characters from comics of long ago and mm-hmm. making movies based on them. And I mean, people are eating it up. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's what we're doing with this too. So, 
So Yvette, up or down for you on this one? Um, two thumbs up, of course. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen anything I don't like yet. Um, only thing I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll hmm, I'm trying to think. I have one thing I did not like, which isn't a big deal, but the fight scene with Una and uh, Laon, it, it just looked, it didn't look right. It was something about it, it was clumsy. You know, yeah. and I know she was trying to not hurt her and try to, you know, just stop her. But it, it looked very clumsy. But that was that was just tiny. That was it. But I, every time I look at it, I kind of go, Oof, I don't like the way that looks. But that was it. But everything else, of course, the writing, like you said, it was pure science fiction and uh, the true sense of the word. Um, the writing. I love the writing. And mm. the fact that, like we talked about, I love the, the novels. You know, I grew up on those. And to have a character where now the novels are canon, that always makes me happy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because all of her, because, you know, like you said, we got a little like 14 minutes of her maybe in um, the cage. And now, you know, she's being flushed out from uh, years of the of the books, of mm-hmm. all the books she was in, even her name. Yeah. So I, I just love that because that, you know, that hasn't. That hasn't been the, the norm. You no. Know, you know, so I, I just love that the books are becoming, you know, part of canon. Um, you know, I love the fact that it hearts back to there's some COVID issues in there. There's race issues in there. There's, you know, it's people who feel like they're not uh, seen um, and they're not worthy. And, um, you know, it, it's just there's so much in this in this uh, in this episode. And I think it's one of the shorter ones. So there was a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. You know, yeah. you can get a, everybody can get something out of this one. Yeah. And I, I saw something um, as I was scrolling through Twitter tonight. Um, I don't recall who it was that said it, but they said it's the first time that they've ever sat down to watch a Star Trek episode, gotten a full fleshed out story, like episode story. Mm-hmm but also gotten character development for three characters in one episode and not just like a line here or a line there, right. but like good character development in oh, the yeah. midst of, in the midst of a good story as well. Yep. That's that right. That's some good writing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Writing. All right, Matthew, how about you? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. Thumbs up. I, at first the episode I kind of, I was sort of, I, by the end of the episode, I was like, oh, I should have trusted it more. When it first started out, I got a little, I was a bit frustrated because Una is given her first lead uh, or mm-hmm. like the first command that we see so far in the show. And it starts off with her being dishonest to her doctor. And I was like, what? Mm. why is that? Ha- why are they making her make these choices? Like, why are they showing her kind of fail? Like the way I looked at it is like fail in her leadership. The first time we see her in command of the ship. And then I realized afterward they're, what they're leading up to. I'm like, oh, okay, I see why this is going on because we have this other backstory about her, her, uh, her genetic modification and, and you know, a bit of like a Dr. Bashir kind of moment there. But, mm-hmm. um, but at first I was like, oh, are they like intentionally writing her to be like a poor leader in this first episode where she, we, we, you know, we, we've shown Kaser, we showcase her as, as a leader mm-hmm. of the ship and, and command of the ship. So I just, I was like, oh, I should have trusted it better and, and stuck with it. It's not, you know, they haven't, they're not trying to dismiss her leadership abilities. 
So, um, but I, what I was thinking about is the show like really isn't messing around. Like in, mm-hmm. in just in the first three episodes, we've revisited, like in the first episode, we talk about, we have like a big prime directive episode and we look at earth's past and the nuclear war. The second one, we go back and finally give like a a story. And Yvette, you were saying like how long we've been waiting for, for that to happen. Right. And then, um, and then all of a sudden we go into this episode and we're going to get into like the eugenics war and, and all this other Star Trek meat uh, that has become part of the known canon. And it's just like, wow, like they're really not, they're not taking a break. It's just like pedal to the floor. And so it, I thought it was a good episode. And, uh, and you've had, I just kind of to your point, I was thinking the other thing I was kind of, I, it, I, I was kind of disappointed to see that they had two women lead characters fight each other in in the one episode where Una's in command again and I was like uh, get I understand why it happened but it was kind of one of these it, it touched kind of close to one of these other tropes that used to happen in shows where it's like you couldn't have two strong like female characters because they're gonna argue with each other because this is like you know and stuff mm-hmm. like that and I was like uh but and so I understand that that was sort of the point of this one plot but when, when that happened again and or in the episode I was kind of like uh, I don't know how I felt about that but um but I understand how it fit into the story about the infection and everything else but otherwise I thought it was a great episode and and we learned about Mabenga's past there and and that like yeah. heartfelt story mm-hmm. and like that was like a uh I guess almost like a reminded me of 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 uh, Scotty being stuck in the Dyson sphere, yep. you know, and, and, and like, you know, in the transporter stasis, but yeah, good episode. Yeah. So if you mentioned about uh, the fight scene being kind of clunky, you know, I'm wondering if it had, so that set was the AR wall set. So I'm wondering if it had anything to do with that. We really haven't seen, up to this point, any action with that AR wall, if I'm remembering correctly from uh, discovery, because they're not using it in Picard because they were filming in LA. Um, so I thought that they, I think the big scene that we got from that was the species 10 C scene um, when they like met them. So I think this was really the first action scene. So I wonder if, it, if that had anything to do with it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, could but be, I, yeah, I just happened to think of that when you were mentioning this. Oh yeah. Engineering set. That's all, you know, except for the set pieces in the foreground, it's all that AR wall. So, right. so for me, it was also definitely an up uh, for a lot of the same reasons that uh, you all said. I mean, the writing was very strong. And like you said, Matthew, I mean, they're, they've come out swinging already. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I think has been really cool in listening to the interviews that have been done about this so far, like Akiva Goldsman ha- has been partial showrunner for Picard. He's been a heavy writer and director on Picard. Um, he was used for stuff in Discovery as well. And this was like his sweet spot. Like this is what he always wanted to do. Not saying that the stuff that he did on discovery and Picard was bad by any means, but this is his heart, you know, this. So I I really think that that's what we're seeing right now is like this buildup of what he's wanted to do for so many years, come out onto the page with this writing staff. I mean, it's like what you and I were talking about Yvette, how we've been waiting you know, at least 30 plus years for this. 
if not, you know, back to 64 when the cage was first made, you know, so, you know, well, I wasn't waiting at 64. No, neither was I. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Just want to make sure everybody understands that. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I wasn't even a twinkle in my dad's eye in 64. <laughs> neither was I. <laughs> Library computer, data being received. All right. So key points from this episode. Uh, Yvette, why don't you start off on this? What were some key points for you uh, that you thought about here? Um, I just I, my my big thing was they kept talking about light and I kept thinking about bringing secrets into the light. Um, I don't know why I just that, you know, it's a Bible verse also. And I just kept thinking about that. Um, everything was about this light. And I know it was a disease and everything, but all of these secrets were coming out, you know, so um, it was, it was a running theme, you know, kind of with everything else. Like I said, it was so much going on because even with Mabenga's daughter, you know, that was another secret and she, he kept her hidden. Um, and even when he went to see her, he closed, you know, the door, he closed his, um, his privacy shields in the, in his uh, office and then brought her out, you know, it, it, that was the, that was what I always thought of when I was, cause I watched it a few times, just like Mike. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and that's all I kept thinking about, you know, bringing secrets into the light. It's eerie because I'm wondering if when it comes to the humanity messages part, if you and I are thinking the exact same thing, we'll have to wait and see <laughs> Matthew, how about you for key points? I wanted to say that that was that's amazing. I did not I didn't clue into that when I watched the episode and that that makes so much sense. Like that was that's quite beautiful actually because everyone is so desperate for light like, and you know and and to and in this case revealing something the obvious the imagery was totally lost on me obviously when I saw the episode. Um what I what I loved about this is that uh they they call it like I like that Pike is willing to like question stuff. And he creates this, like, it's, it's like, if I were on a ship in Starfleet and I'm thinking about how, like, as much as Picard kind of raised me a space dad, I don't think I, now that as an older person, I, I, I wanted to say adult, but I, I always feel like uncomfortable calling myself that, but I was like, I don't think Picard and I would actually get along really well. Like he's way too rigid about stuff and the federations, the federation, it's law. Like it's just, then that's, he's just the hardliner for it. Whereas Pike's like, okay, you know what? Screw the prime directive. We're going to save this planet or or in this case, he's like, maybe we should take into account what genetic engineering should do. Like maybe we shouldn't dismiss a whole group of people because of genetic modification. And I like that the show raised questions like this and asked, and now we actually have, we have another character who uh, is genetically modified, comes from this history of people who have been genetically modified. And now it's, we're going to bring it in as a question. And I think that those conversations are really good because it makes us think about like, how do we properly treat technology in our own society? And you can say, well, in the Federation future, I mean, earth gets nuked in the third world war. They still use nuclear power in all their ships. They didn't know a lot of that. Right. The eugenics war was a part of that, but we decided we're going to do away with genetic modification. Um, and like, but what what would we have gained as a result? And we're we're working with that kind of technology now. That was also I was thinking in terms of parallels to uh, COVID is we we have like uh, an MNRA based vaccine that we're using now. 
And that technology might be like life-changing. Like we're thinking it might be cancer treatment. It could be all kinds of stuff. So we're heading down that path now. And what will we do with it? And will we use it well or or not? So anyways, I'm glad that that question got asked in this in this episode because the history around genetic engineering is not always super clear uh, in Star Trek. And now we get to maybe poke at that a little bit. Poke the bear. Yeah. Mike, key points? Yeah, I think uh, I really like... Um the interactions that you, uh, you see between Una and Lan. Uh, I think that that's one of the highlights for, for me in this episode. Um, and also just the fact that um, that uh, secrets and hiding is a real part of a strong message in this episode. And, uh, you know, I'll talk more about that later. But uh, I, I, really, uh, I really liked how it... Right off the bat, when when Una calls Lon into the uh, not the ready room, but the conference room or whatever, uh, Lon's prejudice against augments and, and people who have been gen- genetically modified comes out right away, um, and uh, Una is surprised by that. She's like, she thought that a person with her kind of history would you know, be a little bit more open-minded. And so that, that I think set the stage for kind of the rest of the episode in a lot of ways uh, and the fight scene, which now that you, you know, Yvette, now that you call out the fight scene, I did think it was kind of like weak, but I also felt like um, Lon was kind of sick. And so maybe not as strong as normal. And uh, in this episode, we see how strong Una is. I mean, she picks up Hammer and carries him from the transporter room to sickbay. Uh, and she stops Lon's hand uh, punch with her, just with her hand. Um, so Una is incredibly strong. Um, but, I, you know, I, I feel like maybe Una was playing it down a little so she wouldn't hurt him, knowing, like, kind of like, uh, I don't know, I watched The Incredibles a few weeks ago. And, you know, the, the young son, they, they at the end of the story, they let him run the race, but they, you know, he has to hold back uh, his uh, skills. And, and that's also part of the message of the, the story of being, you know, sort of similar, actually, about being, you know, hiding your skills because you could hurt someone potentially. I think that this is sort of the same thing. I think Una is ridiculously strong and... Uh, and she was holding back because it was Lon and because they're friends and because there's this um, this bond and relationship, which we get to see later on in, in the season as well uh, in, in, in 105. So, um, so yeah, that's just that's one of my favorite parts of this is just that that discussion that they have. And, and you know, even in the in the mess hall uh, towards the end, you know, Lon admits that it was her sickness that brought out her prejudice, but also that it's true. And and she get, she's mad at Una for hiding herself from from her. And you know, Una says, you know, I've been hiding myself from everyone, from a lot of people, for a long time. So, um, you know, I think that 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 through line in the story is really uh, really interesting. And I also just this, you know, one of the things I should have mentioned earlier, you know, I love a mystery of the week episode. Like this is all a mystery. Like why are people getting sick? What happened to the Illyrians on the planet? Like 
who you know who are these mm -hmm. uh i don't even know what to call them these fire beings um that that save pike and spock uh i just love the fact that this whole episode is just about unraveling mysteries uncovering things figuring things out uh, it's just, I, for me, this is like classic Star Trek. This is, you know, this is what Next Generation and TOS were all about uh, initially. Um, so, uh, you know, I just, I, I think that was really, really potent for me and why I've loved watching this episode over and over again. Uh, not only to prepare for this, you know, for doing this podcast, but just for enjoying it. Like I, I really, out of the first five episodes, I'd pick up any or all of them and just watch them again, just for the pure joy of watching them. Cause it feels like Star Trek to me. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mike, jumping off what you said there, I was another friend of mine, yeah. I've been trying to pitch the show to you and you talked about like how it feels like TNG and stuff. I was, someone was like, they're like, okay, tell me what it's like. And I was like, imagine you took, the original series and you merged it with the spirit of next generation and you'd have this show that's almost a, mm -hmm. kind of what it feels like it's almost like a product yeah it's the tos tng love child yes with uh with uh 2022 ish sensibilities yes, exactly right. yeah exactly uh, totally you know, yeah. i don't see any yeah. tng in here at all i, I think really tos and I think I, I think what they're talking about is like story and character okay. development wise, right? No, they had that in T TOS. I don't. I love uh, TNG. It's just that I don't think of TNG when I watch this. I, at the, I, I guess always, you know, I just totally think of the original series. I guess. Yeah. I think Maybe in terms it's, of the characters, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It could be, I could be, I, some of my bias might be on my own bias coming through because I've definitely watched TNG more recently than the other, like the, okay. the, the original, original series. Mm -hmm. And so I could see the aesthetics of that series there, but the, the spirit of the storytelling for me feels more like next generation, especially in terms of like the original series basically only focused on Kirk, Spot McCoy. Like we never really see stories mm -hmm. about any mm -hmm. of the other characters, whereas in TNG, it would cycle between everyone. You, you could have a whole Troy story and you'd have a whole Data mm -hmm. story. And so when they did an Uhura story, it, it, it felt more like that because okay. she would have never come up in a story cycle before. And so that's where I saw like the storytelling structure seemed a little bit more like TNG. And then Mike, like you're saying, more of the 20, 22 sensibilities uh, mm -hmm. in, in there as well. So that's, that's kind of where I was seeing it from. Yeah, I see it too as the, the the futuristic nature of Next Generation over TOS, like the mm -hmm. like kind of the advancement of technology, and this is sort of like the next level of that almost, like how how amazing the sets are, and how that. beautiful the mm -hmm. ship. You know, it's sort of like the evolution. If you if you really took the like took all the other shows out of it and just looked at like TOS being the basis and Next Gen being the next step, and then now we have Strange New Worlds sort of being like again progressing upward and, and onward with you know more futuristic looking but also mm. you know the storytelling the character development you know the storytelling of tos the character development of next generation mm. just a lot of a lot of great pieces to this um mm. yeah i agree i agree so for me key points um i gotta say there were a couple of things that really stood out to me when they were talking about uh the whole pandemic uh, aspect of it and um chapel and mbenga are talking to number one when she tells them that she's an illyrian and you know is can you use that to figure out a cure for these people 
Um, and she, she looks at chapel and she's like, don't go quoting regulations. She's like, I don't care about the regulations. It, you know, if it, if it's going to heal everybody, I, I don't care. You know, the regulations can be damned. I don't care about that. Um, I thought that was an incredible point uh, that, you know, the two of them are in it more to just help people. And geez, if we had a whole lot more of that over the last two years, would we all be in a better place with this pandemic? Um, I thought the uh, conversation between Una and Amenga before she has to sedate him, uh, the line that he says about prejudice has presented has prevented people from helping each other for centuries with no scientific justification. And then going even further to say, you know, we went out into the stars and instead of getting better, we've just created new bigotries. Uh, man, talk about getting like to the core. Um, and then I really appreciated you see the compassion that Pike gives to Una when she essentially falls on her sword. And then she has to deal with Mbenga and what he had done with the transporter. And he's like, look, you know, if you just let me spend a little bit of time with my daughter before you turn me in, and she's like, no. And you can see the look on his face. He's like, she's, she's not even going to let me do that. She's like, no, we're going to, we're going to dedicate, power from the warp core just for this so that it doesn't have to happen again so like she then turns around and uses that same compassion that pike had uh in her dealing with him uh, and so close to each other in the story i thought it was just a great move of you know not that i think we would have thought that she would be like just a by the book person uh, but that was definitely the character that Roddenberry wrote in 64. You know, if, if you were going only by that original character Bible, then yeah, maybe she would have been like, yep, out of here. You know, I don't care what Pike did for me. You violated a regulation. You're gone. Uh, but really, really nice piece there. I thought. Doesn't everybody want to have uh captain Pike as their boss though? I mean, that, oh, that, that conversation that conversation was so amazing to have, like, just to, to, you could feel the empathy and the compassion from him. And also like regulations be damned, you know, mm -hmm. I welcome that discussion, like come at me, uh, you know, you're the best in the fleet, you're exemplary. Um, it's just, uh, you know, I think it just l makes me long for that kind of boss. I wish I'd had that mm -hmm. boss in my younger days. And I wish, you know, that, that I had that kind of, that mentorship and that, you know, just an amazing relationship between him and Una and, and mm. how much he respects her and, and thinks she's amazing. I mean, you know, just thinks she's top notch. But can I ask what, do you think he would have been that if he hadn't gone through what he went through with Spock on the, on the planet, do you think he would have been that forgiving right away? I know he still, you know, thinks she's the best, um, first officer in the fleet, but before he went on that planet, he had a lot of prejudice against the Alarians. And until yeah, he that's a good went point. through everything he went through on the surface with Spock, I don't know if he would have been that same compassionate 
I think he still would have been compassionate, but I don't know if he would have been like quick to say, damn, the regulations yeah. will just let me let me worry about that. Yeah, it might it might have been like, look, this is going to be a reprimand in your file. I will back you. But, you know, we got to do something about this. Yeah, you're, you're right. It, it might have been that way. Yeah, maybe. I mean, also in the first episode, he was willing to park the Enterprise right above a city. Yeah, that's it true. Off. So <laughs> just show who had so the biggest stick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but you're right. Maybe he needs to have when it comes to this thing, because the Federation does have. I, I they say prejudice, but in, in it does have a prejudice against genetic engineering. And maybe that that probably gets I mean, trained. They have a everybody. good reason for it, you know, sure. but it shouldn't be one one thing, one one rule fits all. But they right. do have a very good reason. There was a war and people uh, millions of people died. So, mm-hmm. you know, there is a reason. It's just, you know, I I, I just think. You know, most it seems like most uh, Federation citizens have this prejudice against uh, augment. So mm. I don't know if he would have been immediately by her side, you know, to stand up for her immediately. I think I think he probably would have been there, but I don't think it would have been as easy if he hadn't been through what he went through on the surface because he yeah. he had those prejudices. They all did, you know. Of course, I, it's it's interesting that we're going to get into that. Maybe we'll get, I don't know how much more they're going to get into this in the show around augmentation, but it's like that prejudice is introduced because of what humans did to themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That gets introduced into then the Federation Charter and everything else. Mm-hmm. But we've seen that there's other worlds that can do genetic engineering and do it uh, responsibly, well, yep. like like, mm-hmm. uh, like the Denobulans, who I think later, why we don't see them later on in another Star Trek. I think one of the explanations that they say is that, that the Nobulans are never allowed to join the Federation, even though you have flocks uh, like on the in Enterprise the back in, exchange, in, in, the, yep. in the species exchange or whatever, because they, they, they're genetically modified. Yeah. So uh, when Mike made the comment about, don't we all want Pike as a boss? I was thinking back to what we were talking about in the TNG comparison and right away, I thought about the offspring and Picard standing up to uh, Haftel and like telling him, yeah, no, we're not giving we're not giving Data's kid over. I don't care what you do. You know, you can you can throw the book at me. I'm not letting that happen. Um, you know, a, a little different, but I mean, the the attitude of look, I'm going to support my officer and I'm in it for the long run here. Well, Picard was not happy. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it well, took yes, a while for him to get to that yep. point too now. Come on. <laughs> he well, was you know, it's this hell when he found out. So <laughs> Data, Data had to ask him if he uh, if he questions like the mating habits of everyone on board. <laughs> right. So he had he had to get there too, just like Pike did. Right, so. exactly. <laughs> I think it's one of the famous uh uh, double uh, face palm images. Of yes, Picard. it is. It's from that episode, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Yes, it is. Oh, all right. Can we talk? Can we oh, talk about ahead, uh, yep. Hammer for a second? Um, this, you know, this is a a character that I, you know, appreciate, but I'm struggling to understand the way that he operates and the way that he interacts with others. It's very harsh at times um and, and no one seems to call him on it uh i don't know if, if we're just assuming that this is an anar yes. trait. Uh, oh 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 i'm we, sorry yep 
Um, but it's, you know, the way that he and Una interact in engineering is very interesting. You know, he, he says, I can see your expression. And she like, it's just very sarcastic, like sarcastic ish back mm-hmm. and forth. And, and, uh, you know, just the way he interacts with Mabenga and, um, yeah, he just, it's just, uh, I'm just having a little bit of a challenge with his attitude and I'm just not sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just wanted to throw that out there that that's one of the things that I'm struggling with in this. So we didn't new track seems to like it's grumpy engineers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, you know, we really didn't get to see a lot of the ANR in enterprise. Um, but we know that they're, um, part of the Andorians as a race, as a people and God, they were some, they were some grumpy people in enterprise. So, I mean, maybe that is a trait of the ANR as well. You know, we only had, we had the one that was steering the ship there and then um, Jeffrey Combs kid there. I, I don't remember Shran's kid in the last episode that was an ANR. Um, but yeah. I, oh, right. Yeah. I, 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 I agree. It's, I thought of it as like a sarcasm and a very dry humor. Like you can tell in some cases he's, he's trying to play a joke off. It seems like with Una, like, no, I, I enjoy walking around the ship and trying to figure out what the issue is, <laughs> you know, in the dark. And uh, did the other thing I thought was interesting with Hema, Hemmer is uh, he's, you know, when they did the lockdown, he snapped his fingers and everybody moved. And I don't know what that's all, like, that's about. I mean, that was really strange to me and as for well. Me, I, if- for me, it just seemed like they had some kind of protocol for this. And when they heard it, like he snapped his fingers for all of them. All right. We know what we got to do. That, that was how I took that. Okay. I, I, yeah, I, I, I remember that happened. And for a second, I was like, oh, that's kind of, that's not, man, that's not cool. I forgot about it until you brought it up just now. But I, I could see how, like, if you knew the character well, and you know that, like, he, you know, he's a much more jovial mood when he was kind of playing around with Uhura when she first comes up. And he's like, I know you're going to ask that because I was precognitive. He's like, no, no, because I because everyone asks. He's, he's kind of joking with her and stuff. But I can see how like in a in a stressful situation that that kind of sarcasm on top of everything would, might, you know, would add a little bit more stress to it. Right. So I see you're coming from. Yeah, I might find it hard to work with somebody like that, but I still find him entertaining. So one other side point here, and we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on it, but uh, did you all love these landing party jackets the way I did? Like, I want one and I want one bad. Yeah, I need one of those. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I need all the jackets. Yes, yes. We'd like to take a moment to talk about Fansets, the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Fansets merchandise, as we know, is the leader in pin collectibles for Star Trek, but they offer more than that. In addition to Star Trek, you can find pins for The Big Bang Theory, Scooby-Doo, DC Comics, Batman 66, Harry Potter, and Rick and Morty. You know what's really shiny and cool? 
the deltas on the enterprise crew uniforms right now and you can get one of your very own at fansets.com the delta's done right collection features the enterprise command delta that first appeared in season two of discovery in both pin and magnetic form the newest release from that line is the delta as seen in the tng episode future imperfect that's also available in pin or magnetic form so if deltas are your thing go out and get some if they're not just check out the fansets website anyway they've got something for everybody there so as we always say go to fansets.com and put a whole bunch of pins in your cart today as a listener to the show you can receive 10 percent off your next order from fansets by using code trekgeeks at checkout and remember that you receive free shipping to the u.s on orders 30 dollars or more Fansets, our pins have character. And we thank Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Okay, so the humanity section of our episode where we talk about what this episode potentially might have taught us about ourselves or people in general. So we'll start with Matthew here. I yeah, I get it. I think I'll jump back to that um the quote you had from Mbenga about about bigotry. And I'm you know what? I it it made me think about our like when I was okay, when I was a kid watching Star Trek the very act of being able to go into space i thought was because we had left that baggage behind we were able to rise you know against gravity and go into space like the the boundary of space the the, the ability to cross that threshold is because we had proven ourselves as a society and left those things back and so i love the point that he makes it's like then why are we going up there and 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 making new bigotries? Like it, it doesn't make any sense. And so it's cool that we get to to catch ourselves a little bit there in the Federation and examine it. It also made me think about how we're going into space now for real and who's leading the charge to do that. And I'm actually kind of really worried about it because that's not how I envisioned we'd be going to space. Um, and so I'm I'm I thought about that and, and I thought about that message of what Star Trek tells us of what we what we should be and strive to be before we start exporting ourselves into the cosmos. And I'm, I'm worried that that's not what we're doing now. So that had me thinking about that. So I thought this was a nice message to us now as we are taking more steps into space ourselves. Like, What are we as we're doing that? And I don't think we're doing it when we're at our best selves yet. And it might be something to think about. Nice. Mike? So for me, uh, this episode really spoke to uh, secrets and hiding oneself. And I really identified with Una in this respect. Um, you know, she says, you know, the lights are back on, but that doesn't mean we see clearly. People are always hiding things. Um, I told Captain Pike about myself and he defended me, told me I was exemplary. That would, that he would fight for me. When will it be enough just to be an Illyrian? And, um, I cut out some of the questions in the, in the middle that she was struggling with, but, um, what, when I rewatched that this episode tonight, I was just struck by the fact that she had been hiding herself for a long time. And uh, having come out in my later life as a gay man, uh, that was uh, that just meant a lot. And I and I think that that meant I, I think that the LGBTQ plus community can can identify with 
hiding ourselves and, and um, not being able to to share it even with, you know, sometimes with people who are close to us, our families or, or other people. Um, so I thought it was really refreshing to see someone actually struggling with that. And, and, and for me, I could empathize with that and also feel validated and seen in a lot of ways. And uh, I think that that that's one of the beauties of Star Trek and, and in particular this episode um, is just that idea that I think everyone is just longing to be seen uh, for who they are and who they want to be. And, uh, you know, we still, even in the 23rd century, uh, people are still um, hiding themselves and, uh, and, and still need to quote unquote come out of the closet like Una kind of does with, with Pike and with Lon. Um, and, and it's interesting because, you know, Pike has a very different, ha, has that, and maybe that's why I like that scene so much is because not only as a boss, but as someone you're coming out to and telling, uh, telling them who you are and just the compassion and empathy that he expresses. Maybe that's where I was coming from in that scene, just with, um, feeling that and, and, you know, knowing that, you know, for some people, hopefully for everyone, there's at least one person when they do that, that, that gives you Pike's response. But then the, on the flip side, you have a, you know, you have Lon's reaction to this, um, and how, you know, she's sort of mad at, at Una for keeping this from her for so long. Uh, so, um, I just think that that's, uh, that's really like a broad spectrum, you know, other than, you know, no one re outrightly rejects her, which is, is great. And I think that that's, maybe something in the 23rd century that has gone away. But I think that the struggle to um, embody who you are truly is, uh, is a struggle that we continue to have this day. And uh, hopefully maybe by the 23rd century we won't, but um, I still think it's a great example. And uh, it, it really meant a lot to me um, in seeing this play out on, a, on an episode of Star Trek. Very nice. Yvette? Uh, so I have a lot, uh, but I'm not going to go into a lot of it. Um, so the the big thing, unfortunately, I got from this is about humanity and the fact that we are a prejudiced species. No matter, no matter how enlightened we want to be, we will always find something to be prejudiced about. And I don't think we're ever going to get over that. I think we just have to keep learning. Um, and I think that's kind of sad, but I think that's just who we are. Um, yeah, it makes me very sad. But I think that is who we are as a species. We have to, we have to always learn. We have to always be willing to learn. And I think that's what um, it did show us, is that we are willing to learn and listen and see people when they're not seen, um, you know, as a black uh, person, a black human. Um, sometimes, you know, I don't feel seen. I, I, I want to, it's more of a general statement. You know, I think black people don't feel like they, they are, that people see them as humans. We're, 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 you know, overlooked, we're, we're killed. Uh, because of the color of our skin, uh, there's prejudice everywhere. And, you know, I, like Mike, he saw that as, you know, his 
you know, he, he, as he was coming out to the world as, as his true gay self, you know, I think black people say sometimes I want to be my true self, you know? Um, and unfortunately we have to hide sometimes, not all of us, some of us do because, uh, like Una said, um, what if I wasn't, I don't know how she, I forgot how she put it. What if I wasn't one of the good ones? What if I wasn't the hero? That what if I wasn't the, the hero? Yep. Like black heroes, if you're, if you save somebody or you're quote unquote passable for the white masses, you're great. You know, if you're a Michael Jordan, you know, you're a great person. But if you're somebody who's saying like Malcolm X or somebody who wants to have black people um, get up off their feet and 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 um, know their power and then white people or the powerful people of of the world are um you know scared of that or a black man walking down the street and get shot because a white policeman or somebody is scared of him you know that kind of resonated with me too when she was saying those things. That's why I was saying it, it, it can it can affect a lot of people who aren't seen in so many ways. And that's what Star Trek is so great about, you know, and that's what science fiction is so great about. Everybody got something out of that. You know, and I just um I just that that's what I got out of the whole thing, humanity and how sad we are, but how good we can be and how we have to always strive to be better. And unfortunately, there's always people that um, don't feel seen and hopefully they have a Captain Pike um, and, you know, a number one, a Mabenga, you know, hopefully they have those people in their life. Um, The writing in this was just phenomenal, I think. Um, It's a great story, but the way it was written, you know, uh, I just... Yeah, that, that's what I got out of the whole thing. And the the like I said before, I, I just thought of a Bible verse when I was watching this, you know, bring uh, the darkness will always come into the light, you know, and that's that's, you know, when I think of this episode, I really think of that. And, uh, and this is not my message piece, but I want to dovetail a little bit off of what you were saying and hopefully not go too far in what I say. But as you were saying that, I was thinking how this Enterprise crew that we're looking at right now kind of mirrors our Star Trek community right now. We have all different races, genders, um, um, Sorry, it's 10 o'clock and I've been up a long time. I'm losing everything here. Uh, You know, all kinds of different lifestyles, straight people, gay people, bi people, you know, everything within this community. And you are getting a good amount of people that are accepting and want to have that association with each other, regardless of their differences. But then you get a small portion within the community that's like La'an in in the fight scene that attacks that difference. And uh, didn't she didn't she say she thought did she say she thought she was an abomination or a monster? Uh, It it was one of those two words. She might have said both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And unfortunately, that's the kind of crap that we see online. And the worst part about that is I don't think those people would act that way to your face, but they've got no problem doing it behind the keyboard. And that's why I said, I hope I don't go too far with this because I'm sure it'll piss some people off, but you know what? That's, that is not what the show that you claim that you love is about. You look at this crew and the majority of them were accepting of all these different situations. And there was just the one that wasn't accepting. And she even got turned around a little bit there toward the end, realizing, Hey, this is my friend. I have to, I have to think about this more. And you know what? Maybe that is a message, but that wasn't what I wrote down. So here's what I wrote down. (laughs) Um, A little bit the same as what Mike was saying, except Mike's was far more personal. Um, And and this is why I thought you and I were going along the same lines of it. I thought of a Bible passage too. Uh, The truth shall make you free. And you saw the relief almost fall off of number one's shoulders and Mbenga's shoulders when they were able to talk about what they had been hiding. And you go back a little bit further, you saw that in La'an when she came out essentially to Pike in the first episode and said, I was hiding all of this stuff because I didn't want you to think something different of me. And he said, so you didn't even give me a chance right away you know that kind of the shoulders went down at that point she didn't have to be so defensive Pike himself uh in being able to talk to some of his command crew about what he's seen the vision of the future just being able to have these discussions and talk about the things that might bother you or things that you're hiding from people You know, it makes you feel better about yourself instead of holding it inside. Starfleet Command is proud to present you the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Okay, so our awards section, and we'll bring it back to Mike. I was just doing a double check of names, actually, to make sure I got this right. Um, My first award this week goes to Nami Melamood. Um, this episode right off the bat, uh, right from the first transporter room scene, all the way to the music underneath, uh, Una and Mabenga talking towards the end, uh, of the episode. Well, first of all, at the top of the show, the transporter episode, you, you get that, um, you know, Chief Kyle says there's an ion storm. You know, you get those vi- you get those feelings of like, oh no, are they going to jump into the the mirror universe? But the music underneath it is, fr- I believe, pretty close f- to like the the original series. Whenever there was a transporter problem, there was all of that. Um, I, I don't know. I, the just the music underneath it was just amazing, and uh, so definitely call the calls back to. To the original series, uh, but then also throughout the episode, the music and it is so so great. So huge kudos to to Nami. Um, the second shout out for me is uh, Rebecca Remain. Um, you know, this is a complex number one. 
she ha- and and Rebecca has embodied this character so incredibly and continues to give it depth. Her performance is powerful throughout this whole episode. Um, as as you can kind of see her struggling and then the 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 relief, uh, as you said, Mike, uh, when she's talking to Pike and when she lets go of what she's hiding. Uh, just a phenomenal acting job from from her. I, I really, um, I really grew to love and respect her even more, more uh, in this episode. Um, the other, uh, so I don't want to steal what I think Yvette's gonna do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the visual effects team uh, because honestly, we've never seen an ion storm quite like that, and it was beautiful. Uh, the um, never throughout, you know, and I, I didn't really, Mike, you kind of woke me up to this. Now I'm never going to look at engineering quite the same and realize that they're on that big AR wall. Um, I knew there was something off about it, but I forgot that they had, were filming in Toronto and I forgot they had the big AR wall. Um, but the on the planet scenes and everything just felt so real. Like I was never, so in, in Discovery, I I think was you know this past season they they use it for the first time you uh, i felt like they were just kind of getting warmed up with it and it felt like there was a screen there at, at times or it felt um kind of digital in this episode i felt none of that like the planet everything they did uh from the visual effects to throughout this this episode made me feel like they were on another planet that that you know everything was just real um and it, they just so amazing. So they really, you know, whatever they've learned over the the year and a half since they've had this AR wall is is showing because it was amazing work done by by them. Um, but also the visual effects of the Iron Storm and the Enterprise, you know, flying towards the planet and and also at the end flying away from from it all, uh, I just thought was really really great. So I'm gonna stop there. Uh, Matthew. I I really liked the performance this episode um, by Mavenga. So uh, I believe the actor's name is Babs Olusan Mokun. And I first of all, that was it was such like a twist at the end. I didn't know that it would also be part of 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 uh, a Mavenga's story all of a sudden right at the end because you think like all the storylines are wrapped for that episode. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, there's a daughter hidden in the transporter. They're like, wait, what? Um, but, uh, yeah, his, his, um, first of all, the actor is awesome. And the, the, the character plays such like, I think very similar in a way, well, not similar, but portrayed differently. It, it like McCoy, the heart of the ship, you know, like the, the passionate heart of the ship. And, um, I thought it was great. Uh, so, that's my shout out. I also wanted to say that I forgot from last week that there is a great line in last week's episode that I forgot about, uh, which I thought right afterwards, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. That was a great line. And I want to use it more often is when Spock says he diffuses tension with the rigorous application of logic because it's actually a hilarious line. And I forgot about that one in the last episode. So shout out to that line from the previous week as well. Nice. <laughs> Is that okay? So um I have one I have one I have three awards. So my first one is to it's it's cultural. So my first one is to um 
Celia Rose uh, Gooding for wearing her scarf to bed. Uh, so that's a very cult, black, cult, black woman thing. We all wear scarves or a bonnet. And for her to do that, it just, I was like, wait, does she have a scarf? On? <laughs> she that's pretty awesome. Scarf? So I've never seen anyone actually portray that. And the fact that we're going to be wearing scarves all the way into the future, I'm cool with that. So, and her, her waves are always sharp. So yeah, that's, that's my first award. I had to put that in there. Uh, my second award is to uh, Ethan Peck because Spock was killing it with the jokes. Um, yes. I love, <laughs> I, I'm arming us with, with, with logic. I love it. Okay. We need that. This was a deep episode. Spock was bringing the humor. I'm all for it. My next award, of course, uh, probably Mike was thinking to the writers. Um, the writing, I, I think I've said it more than I need to. It, it was just phenomenal. And I, it just brought us all kinds of ways, a great story. Because even if you didn't get anything out of it, you still got a great story out of it. You know, so those are my three. You can never talk too much about the writing. Uh, especially in an episode like this. Yeah, exactly. So I also had three. Um, my first one went to uh, Rebecca Romaine. Uh, you know, that's kind of an obvious one, but you know, we, uh, we've talked about this a couple times already. We didn't know anything about the number one character really. And now we're learning more and she's brought this to the surface and we feel for her. You know, we had nothing, you know, we thought she was cool, but now we're emotionally attached to her as well. Um, so that was, that was really nice to have that part of the story fleshed out. Um, and for the same reasons, my second one, like Matthew goes to Babs, let's see, Olu Samukin. How did you say it, Matthew? Cause I'm sure. I cheated Cause I had it up in front of me. Uh, well, I have it up in front of me too. And, and I, Kun, a Solomon Kun, a Yeah, you're probably pronouncing it. You're probably pronouncing it more correctly than I am. Yet, we but, just uh, listened to him say it. <laughs> okay, yeah. and, and I didn't think to do that before we got on here, but he was awesome uh, in this. Not even just for his story that we get at the end, which was great. Um, but the, the healing or the healer that we see in him, uh, throughout most of this story, and then the regret that he had at the end saying, you know, I could have, I could have been the cause of a number of deaths on the ship. I can't let that happen again. Even if it means sacrificing this one person, um, which, you know, that was heartbreaking in itself, which is why I think everyone like cheered when, when Una said, nope, we're going to divert power from the warp core to take care of this for you so that we don't ever have to deal with it again. And since uh, Yvette gave the shout out to the writers, I'm going to give a shout out to Leslie Hope, the director of this episode. Um, this could have gone in so many different directions, but she got the A games for a lot of these actors in this episode. Um, even some of the background players, we see a lot coming out from them, like smashing their heads into windows. 
<laughs> but wait, did anybody get a little um, Ensign Suter vibes from that guy? Yeah. It just remind me of Ensign Suter so much. I'm well, sorry. You know, the other thing I thought of, and it was, I think, the first thing that I had in my notes here. Uh, yeah. I thought the random red shirt, Ensign Lance, was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and sure, you know, he didn't die, but he was the first one to start smashing his face through windows. So, um, so yeah, shout out to uh, Leslie Hope as well. You have something, Mike? I was just going to say that the detail when uh, when you're introduced to Ensign Lance and if you like, so I watched it the first time on an iPad, so I didn't pick up on the, the little particles and I didn't even pick up on the tipped over two vials that are in the where whatever closet he's looking in so tonight i'm watching on the big screen and i was like whoa like just those details right off the beginning but you can yeah you see the little light particles floating around as he open or when he opens it up you see them floating around and then they the shot kind of focuses in on the two vials that are they're tipped over i just thought that was incredible um you know just to lead off with it, it made so much more sense then like how they became infected, that sort of thing. So it, it just kind of all pulled together. But yeah. So he, so he's the strange new world's version of the dummy that took his glove off in naked time. Okay. Correct. Yes. Good. Yep. All right. Well, I, I think there's no doubt that we all are loving on this show right now. And next week we have another fantastic episode coming up. While on a routine supply mission to a colony planet, the Enterprise comes under attack from an unknown malevolent force. Pike brings all his heart and experience to bear in facing the crisis, but La'an warns him that the enemy cannot be dealt with by conventional Starfleet means. Episode four is entitled Memento Mori, and we'll be covering it here for you on Discovering Trek Strange New Worlds. Don't forget that you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks podcast network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Get access to unedited audio of all our podcasts and of a lot of other perks. If you'd like to support this and the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks podcast network, beam on over to patreon.com forward slash Trek Geeks, where subscriptions start at low as $2 per month. For more great Star Trek discussion, check out the aforementioned member podcast on the network. In addition to Discovering Trek, there is Trek Geeks, Rewind, Polytreks, Five-Year Mission, Deep Space Pride, Drawn to Trek, Infinite Trek, The Divine Treasury, Sci-Fi Sisters, Science Station 2, with the first link and the newest addition to the network, ConPod, about Star Trek conventions. You can find all these shows and where to listen on trekgeeks.com forward slash listen or by downloading the Trek Geeks mobile app. The Trek Geeks podcast network. No one talks Trek like we do. So we're three weeks into this wonderful show and we've explored at least four separate characters pretty deeply. So who might be next on this path of story building? Make sure you join us each week after viewing Strange New Worlds yourself to hear how we break it down. Be bold, be brave, be courageous, and until next time, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. 
they're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.